This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, and fishing needs, go to eastport.info. Now let's get this show started. Welcome back, everyone. Brad Hurlbus here. Another episode of Feather and Fur. And we're going to get this out of the way real quick for the super observant people out there. Yes, the backdrop is slightly different, but the same. I did kind of move my office area in the basement, so a little more concrete. You can definitely tell I'm in the basement now, but hey, it's much more comfortable in the corner and it's a little quieter. So hopefully that's a little bit better for everyone. Tonight, we have special guest Steve Christensen, and we are going to talk gun dog training. So welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you, Brad. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for this one. I'm a huge fan of dog training. Um, I know some people don't like it. I thoroughly do enjoy it. I've started enjoying it more as I've matured more because I have more patience and you need patience when training dogs. That is a mistake I made when I was younger. Um, but I'm really excited to talk talk an overview of puppy to kind of finish dog, touch base on key points, keep it a little bit general also. And just a really good overview for those people that are just looking to get into training or thinking about getting another dog or they, maybe they made some mistakes and want to like take a look at the entire process again. Absolutely. That sounds good to me. So I like to start my show the same way every time and ask how you got into hunting. Was it a family tradition? Were you late onset, jumped in the game yourself? It started, uh, it started really young. Uh, my father uh, was a hunter. Um, he was actually born and raised in Utah. Okay. And uh, at that time, you know, for him, uh, hunting so much, was it wasn't a sport. It was a way of life. 
Sure. Uh, they they depended on that. So I, you know, at a young age, I got to hear dad's hunting stories and it was primarily deer hunting. Uh, he'd rabbit hunt, you know, pheasant hunt when they had them. Uh, but uh, so listening to his stories really got me excited. And I think I started shooting when I was eight years old. Um, okay. I started deer hunting actually in Wisconsin when I was 12. All right. Uh, and then it just, the snowball just rolled. Uh, sure. But with my father, uh, believe it or not, the only thing I ever hunted with my father was deer. Okay. Uh, I never did any other type of hunting uh, with him. Uh, and, you know, he used to tell me stories of the retrievers that he had. And right. then I come along and there's no retrievers. <laughs> so you didn't grow up with dogs then? I did. I grew up with dogs, but not retrievers. Okay. Uh, the first dog that we had would have been a Springer Spaniel. All right. And we had him. Uh, the tough part was, is I was still pretty young. Sure. And dad got really busy with a large family and work and the dog actually did not get the time that he deserved so we did the right thing uh we had very close friends that that loved the dog and they took him okay and the nice thing about that was is he knew that i was really attached so we're looking at that 12 13 year old age sure and so he would actually invite me to come out and he had a black lab and Springer. So I still got to hunt over the dog. Oh, nice. But it, it was nice to be able to watch that dog develop and flourish. Right. So, but for the dogs, that came for me a little bit later. I've been doing it now for about 20 years. Wow. That's a lot of, that, that's a lot of experience right there. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of hard work um, right. and knowledge. Um, so, and mistakes, you know, as, as a trainer, you make your mistakes, you know, that you learn and you try to wake up every day and be a better dog trainer. Right. If, if you have that passion and, and you do it the way, in my opinion, the way you should do it. Um, so, uh, for me, it started a little, the dog started a little bit later. Um, but that was, it, it was in me that I really, really want, I love dogs, but I really wanted, I was infatuated with the Labrador Retriever. And, okay. and I think that at that time frame, I mean, they were still a really popular dog. Uh, sure. But I just loved watching, you know, TV and seeing retrievers work. And then um, the great outdoor games came along and I watched you know, the first of great outdoor games. And I thought, man, that is amazing. And that really kind of got its hooks into me, the whole competition aspect. But okay. uh, I just thought, boy, that's just amazing. You can get a dog to do that. Right. And be able to have that, that relationship with that dog. And one, one minute it's curled up next to you on the couch. Cause I do, I spoil my dogs. Uh, and then the next minute you're out there and the dog's working and, and doing what it loves to do. And, and you're enjoying the, the ride, if you will. I mean, that's a great thing about a lab. I love my lab. I loved them to death. Um, they have such a, they've got a really good off switch. They really yep. do. I yep. mean, they have such a high drive in the field and 
like every dog, they need exercise. I'm not saying you can't exercise your dog, but they have a really good off switch where they can turn it off in the house. Yes. Now I agree with you on that, but I also agree that um, when you, when you're looking at genetics, that can play a role in it too. Sure. Um, but I don't, yeah, that's a be, generalization. They're, they're, yeah. <laughs> yep. But I don't want to be, when I say that, because I've had, I've had, you know, super high powered field trial dogs out of, I mean, field trial champions and, and, sure. you know, I actually had a male out of one of the best reproducing black males in history. And he was a great dog. Like you said, he had the off switch. He had, he was just a big baby. Um, but you can find some of those dogs that are a little bit more higher strung. And and you know right. that with, with oh, the yeah. pointers and, and some of those other breeds, but that's what they're bred to do. They're bred exactly. to run big and large and you, and you need to know that. So I would say when it comes to the genetics, for the most part, you know, just do your research. Uh, first and foremost, um, well, in my well, opinion, what a segue. There's just starting about picking out a puppy puppy. Hey, we just rolled right into that. That sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So you, you know, I won't go too, too deep into it, but because we could, I mean, we could have, you know, that you could have a whole right. topic on just that, but the biggest thing, first thing that I will say is, uh, health. Okay. So when you're going to look at a puppy, whatever kennel or breeder you want to look at, uh, educate yourself first on the breed, no matter what retriever breed it is, any dog for that matter. Um, educate yourself, know what their, their health issues or their possibilities are. You know, for years, the Labrador retriever, the other breeds was just hips and elbows, you know? Right. Well, we've evolved so much farther in, in science and medicine to figure out other issues. So, I would say look at the health. So uh, there's so many things that have come up and it, and it's difficult to try and test for all of them, but we try to do the best we can to test for as much as we can. So sure. make sure that, that, you know, the sire and the dam have their health clearances, um, you know, because there's things out there. I, there's a ton of people that have them that, you know, I, good example, I mentioned uh, exercise induced collapse you know, or central mm-hmm. nuclear myopathy, they, they have no idea what those are. And so, so first and foremost, try to get good health clearances on Sire and Dam. And if you got questions, you know, there's plenty of people out there that have knowledge on that, but do right. your research. Um, you know, for gun dog aspect, in my opinion, um, you want to, you want to put the odds in your favor. Okay. So what I mean by that is, is looking at a pedigree and understanding what that pedigree means. Okay. Now, can you get a dog with no pedigree to hunt and hunt very well? Absolutely. I've I've seen those dogs. I've had some sure. of those dogs. Brad, I've taken mixed breed dogs and made them hunting dogs. So right. it's not impossible, but in my opinion, you know, when when you're looking at the pedigree, you know, that should tell you a story you know, of of what that lineage has done. Okay. Now, the other thing is I do know. So if you're looking at the pedigree and you see titles in there, senior hunter, master hunter, uh, field champion, amateur field champion, or if you jump in on the HRC side, um, you know, you got your hunting retriever champion. So that will help you 
you know, those, those genetics are there. So you're upping your odds for success. Sure. Okay. Sure. Now, that being said, I also know dogs that are field trial champions that have never hunted a day in their life. Right. And vice versa. So do your research on that as well. You know, when you call the breeder, ask, does the siren dam hunt if you're looking for a gun dog? So put the odds in your favor from that aspect. Um, the other part is, so when we go into, let's say we're going in to pick our puppy. So a lot of people, you know, they get excited. They right, get all right. Up. Oh my gosh, it's time. It's time to get the puppy, you know, and they get so excited slash nervous. I, you know, I want to make sure I pick the right, the right puppy. I want to have the greatest dog. And first and foremost, pick the litter. First of all, pick the litter because just like I said earlier, you're, you're going to build your success if you sure. go with a good litter. Then the next thing that I say, and, and some people, you know, will disagree, but I, I, I like letting the puppy pick you. All right. Um, now, that being said, if you're more advanced and you have characteristics that you like to see and you've been through the process a lot, then yes, you know, there might be one there that you like a little bit more, which is perfectly fine. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, Brad, some of the best dogs that I've ever had, um, I just sat back and I let the dog come to me sure, and, and warm up to me and they've been some of the best ones. So it's always a, it's always a, you know, there's, there's nothing guaranteed, but I, I like right. sitting back watching that puppy and, and seeing how they interact. But I also like to see um, how they react to me. Sure. Um, and, and that's or, great advice, especially for someone that hasn't been through this before or so how many, I mean, unless you're a kennel operator or something like that, or you like a lot of dog power in your stable for hunting, a lot of people only do this maybe four or five times throughout their lifetime. Right. Like this, this for the average weekend hunter, yep. picking out a puppy is not an every year thing. It's an every 10 year thing, maybe. Right. Every, yeah. Right. So, I mean, if that's not a process you're super comfortable with, you're like just letting the dog pick you, like you just said, I mean, mm -hmm. that takes a lot of pressure off of you right away. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing that, that a good breeder will do is, you know, you, you interview the people that are buying your puppies. If sure. you do a good job, you interview them, you know what they're planning on doing. Is this person going to hunt five times a year? Or is this person going to use this dog as a as a, a hunting operation dog? Right. And, you know, so I think some of those, so you can, you know, as a breeder, you watch those puppies develop and you can see characteristics and, and behaviors. Um, and that, that can help the process as well. But by all means, you know, I guess the best advice I could do is, is or say is, um, don't stress out about it. Enjoy it because, you know, it's, it's like they age and they're gone before you know it. You know what I right. mean? Enjoy I that. Enjoy that process because uh, it's really special. It really is. You're adding a, a valuable member to your family and to your life that you're going to have a wonderful journey with. Right. 
So, so by all means, don't stress about everything will work out. I agree. I, that's great advice. It really is. I mean, I haven't picked out a puppy in years. My last two dogs have been rescues. So mm -hmm. I look, I'm excited. My next dog will, I will be getting a puppy. I am going to go through the whole puppy thing again. I, I love getting rescue dogs. Don't get me wrong. I love being able to like work with them, but they're always in the back of my mind. I'm like, man, if I would have got it, if I would have got you as a puppy, I just can't like, I can't fathom where you would actually be. Cause I see where we're are today. And right. like, I'll admit, I still kind of get frustrated with Pippa cause she'll like blow a point or she'll just be being a bonehead out in the field. Sometimes I'm like, well, I've only had four years to work at you. You had six years of bad habits. And from where I got you to where you are now, like, I just have to accept that I haven't had that much time with you to break all these habits. And right. so, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to get back into the puppy stage. I am. Well, and, and, and from, you know, an outside perspective, of course, I haven't seen you, you work with your dog, but um, I, I would say you've done a great job. It sounds like you've done an amazing job with that dog. And like you said, to go from six years of habits that have been developed and you've been able to work through that. And, and like you said, thank goodness, you're more patient and you, <laughs> right. know, you see that. But I think one of the other biggest things is, is knowing what the expectation should be. And I think that's very difficult for a lot of people. You know, they get a dog and, you know, I want the best dog in the woods. Right. 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 It, it shouldn't be that way. You know, it, it, it's not a competition, you know, you're out there to enjoy it. So um, you realize that, you know, when you got that dog, that there were going to be some challenges and that you were going to have to oh, yeah. work really, really hard. And, but the beautiful thing about that is the work that you've put in, you know, you can sit back now, even though she's maybe not as polished or, you know, some of those bad habits kind of rear their head, you know, deep in your heart, that in your heart that you've, you've bonded with that dog and you've taken her to another level. Exactly. And that's exactly. a beautiful thing. And I mean, yeah, it was, she was a lot of work. We worked through a lot of different issues. Not, not, not like hunting and training helped work through other issues, right? Because it increases that bond, just yep. daily obedience training. Yep. Just builds that bond, everything else. I mean, do we still have some issues? Absolutely. Compared to where we got her though. It's, it's amazing. So yeah. 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 So that's, you know, that's from that point. So you, you get, you're gonna, you know, you get that puppy. Right. And so we'll roll into, you know, what do I do, you know, from here forward? Um, and, and this is, this is for, you know, I want this to be for the guys that, that haven't trained many dogs or just are looking into getting into it. So, uh, there's many ways to do it, but I'll kind of run through, you know, my opinions and how I've done things for years. Uh, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But you get your puppy, get the puppy home, um, let the puppy be a puppy, 
you know. Sure. And what I mean by that is people are so that, okay, I got to, you know, yes, training starts right away. But I think, in my opinion, the, the more important training is, you know, of course, potty training. Right. You know, and then you can start developing uh, behaviors that you want to you want to develop. Okay. The retrieving should be fun. Okay. And what I do or what I like to do with, with the retrieving is I like to find a hallway in the house and I will get, of course, like a, an item, maybe a small paint roller or something that the dog can handle for their size. And I get a hallway and I will get down on the floor and I will hold that puppy up and I will play and then I'll toss the item. Of course, and we're trying to develop the retrieved. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that, that a lot of people make is that when that puppy returns with that item is they want to take that item from that puppy right away. Sure. Okay. Which, in my opinion, you shouldn't do. You let that puppy have that item, praise them, give them love, tell them great job, then eventually take it from them. What you'll do is, of course, the hallway is closed and the right. dog has one way. It has to come back to you. Okay. But a lot of times it'll try and slip around you. If you start taking that item from that puppy too quickly, you will develop in their mind. It's keep away. Sure. That dog, next thing. Well, they're so smart at that age. They already know that as soon as I get back to that person, he's taking my fun item away. Make sure. sense. Oh, absolutely. So, so that's how I start developing the retrieve and developing that bond with that puppy. Okay. And I mean, it's, it's like with all, like, let them have that reward for a little bit. That's right. That's right. And, and don't just do it a little bit. The other, the other thing that I, I like to there's so there's some sayings that I have and you've probably heard them or most people is, you know, keep it like candy. Okay. If you give a young kid all the candy they want in one sitting, they're probably going to get sick and they won't like candy, right. <laughs> you know? Right. Keep it a little bit at a time. Kids love candy. Same way with a puppy. A little bit at a time. Don't overwhelm them with it. Um, keep it like candy. Pull it away from them so they're wanting more. Sure. Okay. And I think that's a very uh, important philosophy when it comes through all stages of retriever training. Know when to call it quits and don't overdo it. You know, uh, don't take that fun out of it. Don't take that drive out of it. Build it. You know, sure. so you go in and you, we're building a foundation. It's just like you're building a house. You know, you have to have a great solid foundation. And I think people skip past that foundation a little too quickly and then all the bad habits develop. And now we've got to go back and try and fix those habits. But if we really take our time and do things right, um, you'll, you'll have a, a great dog in the end. But, but then once the puppy starts getting a little bit older, um, then we can start moving outside, depending on the weather. Of course, we're up north where right. it can be a little bit harder, but um, still snowing in April. Yes. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Terrible. So, but keep your, keep the retrieves. I usually like to start with hand retrieves, um, going out in the yard one at a time. Don't be too complex. Don't try and throw multiples, but I want to apologize, but I want to back up a little bit. Because I think the puppy stage is, is very important where you sure. can create some very bad behaviors. So 
don't assume anything when you get a retriever. What I mean by that is don't assume that that dog is going to automatically want to retrieve. Don't assume that that dog is not going to be gun shy when it gets older. Right. Okay. So we start developing things to, to work with that dog. So a good example for the gun shyness uh, at, at puppy. So I'll let him get home in the, in the house for a couple of weeks, let him settle in nice and start getting that good bond. But when I start feeding that puppy, I will stand back at 10, 15 feet from that puppy and I'll start clapping my hands gently little bit. Then as time goes on, I'll get a little bit louder, a little bit louder. And you watch your dog. You see sure. how your dog reacts to it. Now, if the dog is getting frightened by it or worried, then back off a little bit. Either make that distance greater or make the sound, you know, not as loud. But right. eventually I will continue working with that dog until I'm standing over the top of it, clapping my hands. And that's starting to develop a, getting used to those noises right and that's and another person like i had one other guest on and we talked like we had a very puppy focused episode and mm -hmm. he kept all and he kept going back to shaping behavior yeah absolutely which is a great term and really i mean you're using food to help shape that behavior and yep. it's no different as we get into like actually training to break a dog to a gun and like yep. with i don't want to skip too far ahead no, no, but you're you, but you're using the retrieve then at that point as a reward and the focus mm -hmm. to bring that gun in closer. At least that's how I've always done it. Like yep. I don't, I'm not a fan of just tying a dog to a leash and shooting a gun over it. I think that's no. probably the worst. That's absolutely a no, no. So, yes. but like you're using the same philosophy, but you're doing it when they're a puppy. I mean, and the food right now is their motivator, their drive, their focus point, And you're bringing exactly. that loud noise in shaping that behavior for the future. Exactly. And, and also, like you said, and I, I know before, you know, I, I, I think I listened to that episode where mm -hmm. they were talking about behavior and I was just, I'm sitting in the truck, you know, it's window time. And I'm like, <laughs> man, that's, he, he's got it. He knows it. And, and that right. you're, you're developing that behavior. Um, and, and food is like you said, a huge motivator. So we typically use fo food in multiple ways during our training process. Um, you know, obedience, you know, once they've established some of the obedience, we'll put the obedience with the food, you know, right. and, you know, like my dogs uh, personally, and, and some people think I'm a jerk by doing it, but you're going to sit, you're going to stay and I'm going to place the food down and then I'm going to release you to your food. Uh, that is for multiple reasons. Uh, one, that's developing the behavior that you want. And it's also to 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 have that relationship with that dog. I also believe in establishing the alpha, if you will, and sure. let the dog know that, you know, they're a pack animal. Okay. And right. there's one alpha and, and I want that to be me, if you will. So there's times where I'll actually get down on the floor with the puppy. And when the puppy wants to come and get food, I'm acting like I'm eating it and I'll push that puppy away until that puppy submits. Now I allow that puppy to come and eat because the alpha eats first. People think that's sure. crazy, but that's <laughs> developing behaviors. Right, right. So like I said, we could we could sit here for hours, but I, I don't want to dwell on that too far. So nope, nope. I um, I get it. And releasing the dog, even as they get older, a thing that I was taught a long time ago, which I've always carried through is basic obedience never ends. 
You betcha. That was the next okay. thing that I was going to roll into. There you go. There we go. Very good. Very good. So I'll say it uh, until I'm blue in the face. Obedience, obedience, obedience. Okay. And, you know, I've had times where I've talked with people and they sit back and they say, well, you know, because I run hunt tests with my dogs, AKC hunt tests. That's just yeah. the venue that I got into that I enjoy. Um, I've taken a hiatus from it just because life been, has been so busy, but, sure. and, and that's fine. But, um, people are like, well, you know, you don't have to do that. You do that because you're, you're competing your dogs in a hunt. And I said, no, if I had a regular house dog, it would have this much obedience. Right. And it would have the exact same obedience. So I think obedience is king. Okay. That's part of your foundation. And you're going to rely on that obedience the whole life of that dog. And it never stops. It never will stop. The beautiful thing about it is when you do it properly, you the dog is polished. And it's, it's that dog is, you and, I, you and that dog are on the same page all the time. And it's just a healthy relationship between you and your dog. Sure. And what I mean by healthy is you don't do the obedience. So you're not yelling at the dog. You're not chasing the dog, which, right. you know, when you get a little older like me could cause me to have a coronary, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, you know, in all honesty, obedience is huge. Okay. So, um, everybody has a little bit different way to do it, but, uh, my, my first stage of obedience is reward based and praise based. Sure. Um, so we're going to start with the sit command, you know, we're going to evolve to the, you know, stay command, the hear command. Everybody does it in a little bit different order. I don't want to sit here and tell you what order you have to do that in, but I would like to say here is very important. So I would put that high on the list. Right. And I would also put, you know, the sit command high on the list, but with retrievers, you know, we're going to teach them multiple things. Sit stay down heel you know here right of course and here is the calm command if you know that's what we use but um, okay there's a mistake i made that i was taught quickly pick one here absolutely i think people I, I, that's one thing i've told new trainers numerous times and they kind of look at me with, like with this little face like i've never thought of that before so i want to spit because that was a mistake i made pick yes. one it's here Yep. Or it's come. It's yep. one or the other, not yep. both. Correct. And when you're using your obedience commands, one word, you know, one word. And what I like to do, of course, when they're young and I'm teaching them, I'll say their name first, then the command. Sure. Okay. But then as time goes on, I evolve out of that. And it, it the name is not said. Right. I just say the command. Okay. And, and I want that dog to, to finish that command. And then we can evolve into, you know, other commands like place. Okay. And teach that dog place. To me, that's obedience. You know, I want you to go to a specific spot. And you know, when I say the word place, that's where you need to go. The place command is a beautiful thing because in hunting, we want that dog to bring the bird back to us, deliver that bird, and then say place and go back to your, your hide or wherever, sure. you know, wherever that is in the house. That's a beautiful command because if you have company over 
and the dog may be a little overwhelming um, place. You know, right. I've been a, a Momarsh home cot and that's, you know, I say place, that's where they go and they lay down. They know that's where they need to be. So uh, that's another great command to, to work with as, as well. So, um, so how I teach, work. Do you teach the kennel command? Yes. Thank okay. you. I yep. forgot that yep. one as well. So nope, that's okay. I wasn't sure if you use place also for kennel or if you keep them. Se- I keep them separate. I, I do use as well. Matt. I use Matt, like Matt. That's what I, sure. that's what I was taught. Place Matt, same thing. But I yep. also have kennel as well as a separate. Absolutely. Command, so. Absolutely. And that's, so we use that, you know, for, uh, you know, dogs that are crate trained. That's what I do is, is kennel. Um, and then if, you know, we're out and about and the dogs in the kennel, I say kennel, I want you to go to the kennel. Um, and then also like the, the dog trailer, you know, when we're right. out training or we're out hunting, um, kennel, you know, and that means I got to get up in there and, and we're done, you know, the time's done. But the other thing that I, I will say about the obedience and that I think is important is, first of all, when we're teaching obedience, especially with young dogs, it's not a long drawn out affair. Okay. Right. What I mean by that is, is during your, during your session, a daily session, make it five minutes, make sure. it 10 minutes max, you know, keep it short, keep it sweet. Every dog is a little different. So it, I'm generalizing this, but every dog's a little different. A lot of retrievers take obedience for the most part, pretty well. You will have some that, how do I say that you go through and you'll teach them, but they're their attention span quite isn't there. So you, you'll do it, you'll get it pretty good, but you won't get it where you really want it because that dog might not be able to keep that or retain that attention for you to continue to teach him work. Does that make sense? Nope, so that makes sense. We'll go on to another command and then we'll kind of come back around. And, and a lot of times I don't want to get into like collar conditioning right now, but that's where you can kind of firm some of that stuff up too. Sure. So, but obedience is something that I take to the highest level, if you will, or I I spend the most time on because it's that important to me. And, you know, really it's, it's not, it's not all about you. It's the safety of the dog. Right. You know, you're out in the field and you're working now, you know, good example, I used to pheasant hunt a lot of places along road roadways. Sure. And I want to keep that dog safe, you know, so I want good obedience on that dog. Um, and, and not have to use the e-collar so much, maybe to stop the dog, the e-collar is there just in case I have to get to that point. But if you do your obedience thoroughly and well enough, a good trained dog should know I can't go there, you know? Right. So, um, not only that, but if, you know, as, as much hunting as you've probably done and I've done through the years, there's been some of those moments where, um, it gets a little bit, you know, you, the dogs in that position where it's like, oh boy, this could go the wrong way. It could go the wrong way. Uh Yep. So that's where the obedience really comes into play. I mean, you have to important. like when, when people are like, uh, you know, my obedience is good enough. I always looked at it this way. And this is what I strived for with my first lab, like, like specifically for the here command. 
I needed to be able to, you need to be able to call your dog off chasing a bird. Yes. Like you have to be, and, and we train our dogs to have super high bird drive, right? We want high bird drive, high retrieve drive. A high retrieving dog is easier to train because that's the reward. So right. we like, like you said, you're shaping behavior in the beginning with retrieve and a paint roller or like a small toy or something, right? Um, we're training that into them. But I had a situation, I was hunting a flowage from shore and we had a diver and it was just getting way too far out. And I needed to be able to call that dog off. Did I want to lose that bird? No. But by the time I was worried, by the time it was cold out, it was snowing. By the time my dog would have got to that bird, I'm not sure he would have had the stamina to swim all the way back to shore. Yeah. I had no means. I didn't have a boat. I didn't have a skiff to get him out of that situation. I had to call him off that retreat. If you yep. don't have that level of obedience, it, it, that's too high. That's a really high risk. I'm not personally willing to take with my dog because my dog isn't a well, tool. You know, absolutely. And that's the hard part, you know, that you know, if you've done it long enough and you've been around enough people that have done it, that's the hardest part when you're sitting with like-minded people that have the same passion as you, but you hear the horror stories mm -hmm. and that's the worst, you know, you, you hate to sit there. It gives me goosebumps because, you know, I, I've, I've heard those horror stories and, and to be, to have that love for that animal and then those things happen and then they could have been prevented. Right. Um, it's hard, but it's, it's, you know, the silver lining is it, it's, a, it's educational, True. you know, and people share those with you and, you know, it opens your eyes and it makes you realize, you know, where you could be a better trainer or possibly not make that mistake. And, and, you know, accidents do happen. Um, that's just the way life works, but we try to prevent it as much as we can. And Absolutely. the obedience, the obedience is, is crucial. Um, you know, and, and the other, the other part of that equation is you want to go out for a hunt with a buddy or somebody and you want to enjoy that hunt. You know, you don't right. want to be that guy out in the blind that's <laughs> yelling at the dog all the time and the dog's right. not doing what it's supposed to be doing, so on and so forth. So, um, think about that. And that's the thing that a lot of people, you know, they get to doing this or they want to train their dog, but they just don't have the knowledge. And that's where hopefully we can, you know, we can help with that. Um, the other thing is, you know, as you're developing that dog, um, you know, look for help, reach out to people. If you got a retriever training group in your area, you know, go talk with them. Um, you know, guys like me, I, I I guess I like giving advice. I like helping and, sure. you know, I can give you advice and you can say, well, I don't want to listen to that move on. And, and that's perfectly fine um, because I'm not perfect at what I do, but I want to help. Right. Because I want to see success with you and your dog because the memories that you're going to gain are, are huge. Right. And Absolutely. it's a wonderful thing. So I know we're kind of, I'm getting off topic here. Yep, we're but, good. We're good. Um, so we're going to develop those behaviors at a young age. We're going to start building the retrieving. We're, we're working on obedience. We're going to work on, we're going to work on a command an obedience. Right. And what I like to do is I like to work on that command, but I don't push too fast and start 
doing multiple sessions where I'm trying to teach two commands, if you will. Sure. Okay. We break it down. We, we build on one command. We get that command really, really, really good. And then we'll move on to another command. We don't want to create a gray area during our training process for the dog. We want it black and white. Okay. And guys, it's very easy to make gray areas. Okay. Cause they don't understand dog psychology, if you will. And I think that's really important to know that psychology, to be able to think like that dog or sure. know what that dog is thinking. And so they'll create gray areas and the dog gets confused. Okay. So we want to keep it black and white. We want to keep it simple, work on one command, get it good, move on to the next command and just continue to build with those commands. Okay. Um, I like when it comes to obedience, I like using just teaching with hands. I like ropes, leads, and those are the tools that I use to start working with obedience. And then as we go on and we start developing more of the retrieve, then, you know, by all means, start continue to work that retrieving with your obedience, if you will, but keep your expectations real. But also don't, don't develop bad habits like breaking and so sure. on and so forth. It's okay when they're young to let them take off right away, but we have to eventually, that needs to, you know, slow down and we need to start studying our dog. Right. So the time frame in that as well. Um, but develop the retrieving. Uh, you have to remember too, as we're working on them seeing items go or fall, if you will, mark a fall, um, it's all visual. And they're going by their eyesight. So when they run out there, they're running out to where they, they believe that item fell. Well, eventually those retrieves might get a little tougher. So we need to develop their nose. So as a puppy and younger through that, you can start developing their nose at a younger age. Not off the retrieve so much. Just start getting a bird wing or whatever, dragging it through the yard and hiding it. And let them get out there, catch that scent trail, and work that scent trail, and boom, they got their reward. A ton of praise. Sure. Great job. So those are little extra things you can do along the way, too. Um, I I had a chocolate mail, which a lot of guys don't like the chocolates as much. but uh, I'm, I'm a big so, chocolate fan. I'm soft on the chocolates. <laughs> the, the, the deal with the chocolates is they just haven't proven themselves as well as the blacks and yellows. But anyways, that's, that has to do with a lot of breeding in the wrong direction. In my opinion, I've had some great chocolate dogs, but I had a chocolate male that, um, he was, he was one heck of a gun dog, great gun dog. And I started him young and I could remember, it didn't matter where I, cause I started him, I think with a pheasant wing and no matter where I drug that thing at 12 weeks, 14 weeks old, he, he'd nail it every time. I would bury that thing under a mountain of leaves or I'd bury it under, I'd have it in the house if the weather was bad. My wife hated it, you know, but I'd drag a bird wing through the house and, <laughs> and plant it under dirty clothes or whatever. But those are little things that you could, those are behaviors you can develop. But also remember that uh, retrievers are a visual dog. They do like to use their nose, but we want to develop that nose. Sure. We, we want to be able to get them to understand that, you know, in situations where a bird goes down, um, it might drift 
or it might sail farther or there's chaos going on and multiple birds are coming down if you're waterfall hunting and and uh getting them to understand to use that nose and that that comes in time as they mature as well but we can do little things to help develop it in a quicker fashion sure so um so we're going to go out and we're going to start throwing retrieves for this dog in the yard um and if we've done a good job we we haven't promoted the keep away game but always assume that that might rear its head so long lines are good uh for somebody that doesn't know i mean a long line put a long line on it's a you know as long as you want it to be um but usually at a younger age we're going to keep it at about 50 feet 60 sure. feet and that way you've got it just in case he wants to play keep away you can reel him back in and we're developing that because you also have you also have to remember that what we do in the house doesn't automatically transition to the yard because we're going to do yard work and then we're going to evolve into full field work sure okay and that don't assume that as well as you're training the dog a lot of people make that mistake they well well he did it here why won't he do it here okay right. and, and that's go ahead i would that was going to say that wasn't a mistake i made but that's a step i skipped so to take that one step farther you go from the house to the yard to the field to hunting yep and the mistake i made was i thought i was simulating hunting situations well enough and you just don't I couldn't. I mean, you can't you can't get that excitement when birds are working, and, I, and that so translates to a dog. I mean, I won't. I, I wouldn't say I made the mistake, but my dog wasn't ready yet. Right, right. Like, so I needed to step back and realize these first few hunts aren't for me. Like, I need to bring some people with, let them hunt with me, and I need to focus on getting my dog trained. Perfect. I'm glad you realized that because that's the biggest thing in, in, you know, most of the time, you know, if I have, um, you know, a client dog in, that's the biggest thing is, you know, I've, I've worked with that dog. I've trained that dog. Now I spend time with the owner and I work with him and the dog, him or her with the dog sure. and to, to let them know what they're doing wrong or what they need to do. But that's the next thing that I tell them. Okay is continue to train okay right. when you go hunting if you can go out there set your gun dog gun down and let your other guys do the shooting while you're controlling your dog and that's huge and then they said well you know i like shooting birds i said well you know it's important that you follow up with all the obedience and the commands because we want to keep the dog safe right right and then right. I start throwing scenarios out there and they're like, you can see them get real white and they're like, yep, I'm not shooting. And it's like, you hate to paint that horror story, but you want to be honest with them. Right. Also, you know, a, a breaking waterfowl dog is a bad deal to agreed. me. It's, it's, I, I could never live with myself if I ever saw any harm to come to a dog because it broke to go after a bird. I agree. And also... We're talking young dogs here. I mean, right, depending on when you got your puppy, that first hunting season, nine months, a year, maybe if you got the dog in the middle of hunting season, it might be a little over a year, right? Right. You're talking about skipping, what, six hunts maybe from shooting for yeah. the rest of the dog's life. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're, shape, we're shaping future behaviors here for the rest of the dog's life. So don't look at it as, oh, man, I can't shoot my limits or get, get some birds these few hunts. 
the dividends that, I mean, this is an exponential yeah. reward by taking right. that step back from being the hunter, becoming right. the dog trainer first. Yep. I mean, I really think that's where a lot of people go wrong. I went wrong there with my first, at it's, first as well. It's an evolution. It's an evolution but, as a hunter. And, you know, I've heard it many times on the podcast, you know, it's about shooting limits. We want to shoot limits. Well, you know, you evolve through that. Right. Most guys do. And, and then, you know, like you said, you know, your first dog, your second dog, you, you learn your mistakes and, and you become a better trainer and the dogs, you know, get better as you become a better trainer, but it's hard for people to see that and understand that right away. Agreed. You know? and, and I bring and, it up. So people learn from my mistakes. They learn like, like everything seems like a rush, like the puppy years go fast like you're trying to get the dog, like it seems like it's this huge rush to get the dog ready for its first hunting season. I want to get out. I want to shoot his first bird. Yep. Slow down. Slow down. We're talking years here. Yep. This is a marathon, not a sprint. Well, you know, my my slogan, if you will, is enjoying the journey one retrieve at a time. All right. And that's that's something that I don't know if anybody's ever said that before, but that was one day I was sitting there and I was thinking, you know, this is a journey right. and, and, and we hope it's a long journey. And, and that's the thing that you said there that I think is the most important is don't rush. When we're talking about any of this training, do not rush it. It's not worth it because behaviors will not develop the way they need to develop. And you'll turn out, like I said, you'll have to go try and fix things. And and for me, that's a lot of times I get those behavioral issues or those whatever, and uh, that's what I'm trying to correct. I'm trying to work through it and and get them. You know, I've had dogs that people are like, "Well, you got a gun shy dog; it'll never it'll never hunt." Well, not all the time, but I've had gun shy dogs that were they were gun shy, and I got them through it. And sure. so, uh, but you're also gonna it's gonna take a lot of time, a lot of work, right. and and there's no guarantee in that, but. Going back to what you said, don't rush any part of the training with the dog. Um, don't don't rush it. Uh, the second thing that I'll say is is don't get mad, don't get upset, and and you know that's a mistake that a lot of people made. I've made it. You get upset. Well, the dog should do better than that. Well, you got to realize they're a dog, right? They're just like us. They have good days and they have bad days. You know. And the other thing that I would I would say and that I've seen firsthand that that, you know, don't punish your dog. OK, don't 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 punish them because they're not doing what you want them to do and how you want it to be done. Teach your dog. Right. And know throughout that dog's life. And I can guarantee you, you can relate to this. You're going to have a training moment or training situations where you're kind of button heads. Right. Oh, yeah. OK. And. I would say, and the old school was, all right, buddy, you know, in certain situations, I do think that you have to hold your ground, but you have to be smart about how you do it. Because if you overcorrect, you could set that dog back tremendously. Sure. Okay. But also know when to pick your battles. Okay. Know when you can have a successful outcome with that dog. And if that time is not right, Call it quits for that day. Try to replicate that scenario in another day or another situation 
if you if you know what went wrong you'll be able to go to another area and try that again and teach that dog and work with that dog okay and that and and you said something huge there which took me a while to like if you're not getting it it's okay to walk away from it it's okay to come yeah. back to it replicate it set it up again yeah. if you're working on some something it's okay just to go back change it up go to go back to a simpler task don't go back to a task at all just throw some fun bumpers or run around completely change the atmosphere and go back to it a different day because as you said it's not worth getting mad because the dog's going to feed off that energy at least my dogs right. always have if i start right. to get flustered or get mad they start to not they start to respond even less because now they like because what i have found and now this is a huge generalization like if the dog is my dogs normally came down to the fact they didn't actually understand what i wanted from them. i wasn't exactly. doing my part as a trainer yet yep so i'm asking them to do something they don't understand and if i get frustrated they're not going to understand it when I'm frustrated if they didn't understand it when I wasn't. Absolutely. And that's the, the, the biggest thing there is, is like you were saying the emotion, right? Okay. I've been to, you know, a lot of hunt tests and, and I always enjoy, of course, I love the highest level because that's the most intricate work, but I also love going at the lower level, like the junior level where it's your younger dogs or they're just starting out and, I watched, I'll never forget one good quick story is a guy walked up to the holding blind and this dog was just ramped. He was just fired up and I'm like, Ooh you know, he's, he's, he's ready to go, which we love to see, but he was having a hard time holding him in the holding blind. Well, he got up there and you know, he was going out for the single retrieve, the first mark retrieve and, and the dog just like, just went flying out there, but he was all over, you know, finally I, he had a big hunt, but he picked up the bird, brought it back. The second one, it was the same situation. So he came back, and, and I, I'm a firm believer you don't give advice unless it's asked, especially sure. in that scenario. But I could tell that the guy had had not really done this before, so I wanted to help. And right. so I walked up to him, and I said, you know, I said, you were pretty nervous, weren't you? I said, boy, that's a, that's a – that's a doozy of a test. And he's, Oh yeah. And he's still kind of breathing hard. He's still just shaking, you know? And I love seeing that. But in the same breath, I said, uh, he's like, yeah, he's like, he's never done that. You know, he's, he's never, he's never, you know, had a, he, usually he runs right out and grabs. Anyways, I looked at him, I said, you're pretty nervous, weren't you? Yeah. I said, you know, that lead that you had that was running down to that dog, that was like an electrical line from you to that dog. I said, he felt every emotion in your body and he didn't, he just sat there and he's like, I said, they feel your emotion. So if you're nervous and you're all worked up, that's what got that dog all ramped up. Right. I said, do me, do me a favor in the next series. I said, come back. Your dog's going to nail it. Okay. Have faith that your dog is going to do wonderful. Envision it, whatever you have to do, but just try to stay as calm as you can. And he walked up to the line and you could see his demeanor was different. The way he handled it. First retrieve, bam, dog swims out there, nails it. Second retrieve, bam, swims out there, nails it. He comes back to me, he goes, wow, that was awesome. I said, it's as simple as that. And, and you're in the moment, so you don't understand it. But right. really, when you're training a dog, 
that's the same thing. Your emotions and your inflection, that is all directed towards that dog. And they're going to interpret that a different way. Right. Some dogs handle it really well. Some dogs don't handle it really well, if you will. So sure. keep your emotions in check as a trainer. Put your trainer's cap on and get to work and, and have those expectations. So, And that story just right there goes to show like those first couple of hunts think about the emotions while hunting and that's, it's just going to be amplified. And that's why I go back real quick yep. to that. Yep. Be a trainer first for those first couple of hunts. Cause the dog's never going to have experienced emotions from people around him as intense as when you're hunting and you're calling and the birds are working. And even you can call in a training scenario, my calling yep. against like when there's actually birds working is way different sounding than when there's just me calling at a fake rubber duck on the water, right? Well, there's not That's a rubber right. duck, but you get what I'm saying. I mean, because you're putting more voice inflection into it. You're Absolutely. working the birds, and that's something they haven't even really, truly experienced. Yeah, because and, and that kind of leads me into that. I want to lead into that next stage right. where you're, you're developing that dog. You're working on the retrieves. You're throwing single retrieves. The other thing that you got eventually, hopefully you can do either through a, a training group or whatever is, is, you know, don't assume, like you said, don't assume and, and little things that people don't realize when it comes to try to training that dog, tra training that dog up to be a gun dog. Okay. Here we are in the yard. We're throwing dummies for this dog. Okay. Well, in this dog's life, all the dummies have come from your side. Right. We eventually need to get to the point where hopefully those retrieves come from out in the field because essentially that's what we're doing. So if you can get somebody to hide behind trees or whatever, little things like that. Okay. So we want to develop and get that dog to understand that the, the, the item doesn't come from us. Okay. And then we're evolving into birds as well. Okay. Right. We need to have birds because to make a, to me, to make a good bird dog, you need birds. Okay. Right. I agree. So you'll have to know your, your state rules and regulations on birds and where you can if you want to be able to shoot birds where you can do that and all the the licenses and so on then so forth and dog training areas or whatever so but if you can get dead birds to start with dead pigeons are a good one uh there's not as many regulations on those um i love working with dead pigeons to start from a young age uh, getting them to get the feathers in their mouth, start getting that scent and, and de developing behaviors, um, not promoting bad behaviors. If dogs are wanting to hard mouth them, sure. roll them, chomp on them. So um, after you've developed that retrieving behavior and that dog's doing really good and, and going out, picking it up, bringing it back, um, you can start digging into the birds a little bit more and, and getting that that's another like you said that's a and when you see when you're training well that rubber dummy was sure was nice but boy oh boy when i smell <laughs> that bird and i taste those feathers and maybe a little bit of blood it takes them to a whole nother level right. so that's where your obedience is critical and you keep training and keep working with that dog and then eventually like you said we want to we want to get in some some gunfire um we start that remotely um, from a distance and then slowly start working our way closer and closer. Um, Find a partner like. for that one. Find a partner. Like there's Absolutely. a couple of things you need a partner for. You really do. Yep. Do not rush. Like if, if you're going to rush, if that is the one thing you cannot rush, you have to take it slow. 
if it's something you haven't done before, that's one thing I really recommend, like finding someone that has done it successfully. There's even if you don't, even if you want to train your dog yourself, there's plenty of trainers out there that have a train the trainer program. And if you reach out saying, Hey, I want help breaking my dog to gunfire. It's not going to cost you an arm and a leg just to work with a trainer to help you for this one step. No, a good example of that, like with me, because, you know, there's some people like to bring me the dog and I, I do all the work with the dog, if you will. And then there's, but I also have that option, Brad, where, you know, it's, it's a, I call it session training. Okay. Um, come with me and, and spend, you know, an hour or two with me. Um, and I'm cheap. I think I, I charge 20 bucks an hour, you know, sure. right. <laughs> and, right. and that, I mean, 20 bucks an hour really isn't bad, but that's the idea. Reach out to somebody that'll do that for you, you know, and, and spend that hour. If that's the one thing you want to work on, work on that and say, go to the trainer and say, that's, this is what I want to work on. And, and right. they're going to help you. And, and, you know, the other thing that's nice is a guy like me is I'll give you extra, I call them gold nuggets. I'll throw some more gold nuggets at you and say, Hey, work on this while you're at home, you know, because that's, sure. that's what it's about. And uh, don't be a don't be afraid to ask advice. Don't be afraid to call the trainer and say, Hey, this is my first time doing this. And even if it's not your first time, even if you're in a new area, you moved, you don't have a hunting buddy yet. You don't have anyone that you can work with. Don't be afraid to just call a trainer and say, Hey, this is what I need help with right now. What do you charge? Like I I, I'm doing this myself. Like don't feel because like you don't have the experience. They're going to look down on you and be like, I'm I'm not going to help this. Like I've never met a dog trainer that has been more, that has cared more about someone's knowledge than cared more than, than about training the dog properly. Every trainer I've ever worked with, their first concern has always been the dog. You bet. Absolutely. That's the, that's, that's what we're here for. That's what we do. Um, So, and that's the other thing. And I keep kind of going back to it. Don't assume anything. So, you get into, like you said, you know, that's where a good partner or trainer can help you with that. Um, other little things to look at that that are overlooked is you get out in the yard and you're doing yard work or whatever. And I'd be shocked at the number of people that don't put decoys out. Sure. You know, and I've actually seen dogs go out and get wrapped up in a decoy line and lose it. Just totally lose it. They've never felt that. So right. that's one thing, one of the little, those gold nuggets I'll kind of throw in there. And most guys do it, you know, but there's some guys that go out there and the next thing you know, you got to spread the decoys out there and the dog, I mean, they're going out there and they're nosing every single, I've seen it. They'll nose decoys. Right. <laughs> the oh, guys oh, are going, what's he doing? Well, how many times have you had him around decoys? You know, right? and I actually, you call me crazy, but I'll take a decoy rope and I'll wrap it around the waist of my dog. And so that. And I'll throw a dummy out there because the concept is not me throwing the dummy. The concept is I want you to feel that around you. Sure. And I want you to feel when you're swimming through the water, that decoy slapping you in the back. It's not, you're okay. It's it's not going to bother me. I got to still go get the bird and I'm going to bring it back. So it's simple little things like that. I know I get off on a tangent. I apologize. Well, well, no, that's, that's, that's really good advice. And also try to like, as things progress, train in areas where, you, where you're going to, or is similar areas where you're going to hunt. I mean, yep. an issue I had with my griff, which we haven't really worked through, but I don't use her that much for do- the first time. 
I took her out when there was grass, like thick grass and some decoys and she, and she got confused and it's because, and it, and it was just because she wasn't used to that environment and she wasn't sure what to do. And it was a new environment is really what it was. I mean, yeah. And that's, and that's, I wanted to, you know, and I was going to get there and and I'm I'm glad you brought that up because that's the one thing is, is the socialization of the dog. Not only are we from a young age, we're socializing that dog to different sights, sounds, smells. Um, I want to be able to take my dog with another dog and hunt. So we're going to make sure our dogs are good around. So I'm going to socialize with other animals. But I think just what you said is one of the biggest mistakes that people make is they do a ton of yard work. They don't do as much field work. But when they do do field work, and that's difficult, and I understand because it's hard to find places sometimes to do that. Right. Um, but, you know, you try to get that dog as many different places and do as many different training scenarios because we want that dog to take that into stride. You know, good example for, you know, when I was running the hunt test real hard and heavy, um, you know, one weekend I'm out in Iowa. One weekend sure. I'm in Wisconsin, one weekend I'm in Indiana, even though it's still the Midwest, if you will, upper Midwest, um, it's different. Right. But I expect that animal to go perform at a high level, no matter where I take that dog. Well, like you, you know, you like to go different places and hunt. Right. I like to go to different places and hunt. So I want to be able to take that dog to as many different places as I can to get them ready for that, if you will. And don't be, you know, if you don't do the work, you can't expect the result right? that you that you think should happen. Put the work in and, right. and, and do that with the dog. Get them as many places and get them familiar with that. That way, when you take them somewhere, it's it's second nature. It's just there. And I, get, and I get when you're doing water training in the summer, in hunting season, you don't want to smell a swamp dog when you get home. I get that. Right. Right. But if you don't train in that grass, in those pads, in those mats with some decoys out there, and the yep. first time they experience that is hunting, mm-hmm. they are you're not setting them up for, up for success anymore. No, you're right. And there is, I mean, usually, usually if you look at uh, with whatever state you live in, there's usually state areas, you know, um, that you can go train dogs or they have dog training areas. So you you do have to put the legwork in to find those places. But uh, we're pretty fortunate in the area where we live. Uh, There are quite a few areas you can, you can train dogs, you know, and their state parks or whatever, and they've got designated areas to go do that. So um, put that time in with, with the dog and, 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 you know, you're not only building the bond with that animal, you're preparing that dog for success, which in the long run is just it, that journey that you're on. And, right. and it's a wonderful thing. But um, so those are the little things, you know, that you're going to look at uh, through the development of the dog. But you're going to, you know, like you said, we're going to go through gunfire. We're going to start associating the gunfire with the retrieve. And then eventually, as you move it in closer, then that evolves into you firing the blank or, or whatever, because that's usually we shoot poppers or so on and so forth. But I'm also developing the marking off the gun barrel. Okay. Sure. And the dog is starting to look out in the field. Well, the birds now come from the field. And I know when the gun goes bang, 
you know, they're if we're a good shot and we did our right. job, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> which which we know <laughs> the, the eye from the dog that's like, what are you doing, man? So, uh, but we start evolving into that, and we're putting that that puzzle together for that dog, if you will, and they start understanding that. Um, so the marking off the gun barrel. Uh, the other thing, and like you said, the, the hardest part is to simulate is all of this. But that's where if you can get a, a, a training group, you know, because there's different training groups. Southern Wisconsin has a bunch of different ones. You know, yep. Northern Illinois has some. But check your local areas and, and see where if they do have a, a club, because those are the things that you can work on that's hard to simulate one-on-one. Right. And a uh, good example, you know, if you know you go duck hunting, yeah, it might be just you or a buddy, but say you're invited and there's eight or nine of you, you know, sure. you get eight or nine guns going off, it gets a little crazy, okay? Right. And that happens a lot, and that could be overwhelming for that dog, but that's a situation where if you've got a training group and you get together and say, hey, you know, let's, can we work on this? I don't know any trainers that would say, no, I don't want to do that, you know? Right. Because you're there to better another person's dog and to help them, and you want success. So, and you get a group together that size. I mean, even if you have an experienced dog, like we said, obedience is always you're always training obedience. So, even if That's my right. dog has been experienced to that, we get this group together. I would throw my dog in the ring too once we're done working with your dog, just you to bet. polish. Yep. Yeah, you can never stop polishing, in my in my opinion. Just like you said, Brad, you you. You never stop working and training. Um, you never stop teaching, in my opinion. Uh, right. you, you polish it, like you said, that you've got it all down, but then you polish it and you continue to polish it and you continue to polish it. And then when they get old and gray, maybe you let them get away with a little bit. But you know what I mean? They, I they've, exactly earned, what mean. They've, they've earned that right to retire and 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 maybe... You know, I'd say, well, that one might be going a little deaf from all the gunfire, but you know, darn good and well, it's not going deaf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy, like you said, it's a journey, but it, it, it's an amazing journey. And as as you build that bond throughout the years, that's another reason why I say don't rush. I mean, you you don't want to rush it. Like it goes no. so fast the way it is. Yeah. I agree. And then you have to decide also when you're going through the process, you know, what is your, what is your expectations of a gun dog? Okay. My expectations might be a little bit different than your expectations. Okay. Um, so how advanced do you want the training to be? But that that's up to you as an individual. You know, for me, I love training. One of my favorite parts of retriever training is is teaching blind retrieves. Sure. Uh, and handling and casting. Well, I know a lot of guys that have gun dogs. They don't do that. They don't want it. They just, you know, they don't they don't go that far in detail. Um, but from my aspect, why I love doing, I just love that because not a lot of that DNA is in that animal to do that. That's all taught. Sure. You know, you might have a line, a line, a genetic line that that is more, it, more apt to run straighter lines when you're sending them back in a blind retrieve. I believe that is there. Okay. I mean, I've seen that with some of my my sure. genetics, but 
it's all taught. So we're, we're teaching that to the animal. I love doing that. But what I always tell people when they say, I don't want to go that far that advanced. I said, well, I love it because you have more success at getting that bird back. Right. And ultimately as a conservationist, in my opinion, you're out there, you want to, any bird you bring down, you want to get it. Okay. Agreed. So if I can send that dog back and work with that dog through hand signals and casting to get that dog on that cripple or that bird, as soon as I can, that's what I want to do. I don't want to lose that bird. Agreed. Okay. So is it for everybody? No, but that, that, I mean, that jumps way into more of the advanced stage, but I think a lot of people, if they would actually spend the time to do that and do it right, they would really get that much more enjoyment out of that, that with the dog. And I also think at that level of training, your bond becomes so much stronger. Sure. So much stronger because you are, you're building that trust between you and that dog. And it really takes it to a, another level, you know? So Absolutely. I know I jumped ahead there, but um, that's not too, not too far ahead a little bit, but not too far. Yeah. But, you know, just to back up a little bit after we're, you know, I think we're trying to put the scenarios together to, or the, the things that could be downfalls for guys. Right. Right. Um, I mean, we, we don't have enough time to really go step by step no. through everything. <laughs> I know we're, we're, we're in it pretty far, but um, you know, I know we jumped over a lot, but that would be, you know, and also the other part of the equation with the blind retrieve is, um, you know, if you're, you're docking multiple birds down, you can't expect that dog to mark all those birds down. Right. You got three or four guys out there and they're, they're dropping, you know, two or three birds a piece if you're really good shots, but you're going to have some sale maybe, or go somewhere else that the dog can't mark it or see it. So that's where the blind retrieves come in nice as well. You know, let them go pick up the birds that they see if if you want. But what I like it for is that cripple, okay? I've got three or four birds stone dead on the water, if you will, or I know they're really not going anywhere, but I see one that's, that's going. Good training, I'm going to pull that dog off those other birds, and I'm going to send that dog for, for that cripple. And sure. then we can take our time and we can finish picking up the rest of the retrieves. So. Right. Um, I love it for that aspect, for the cripples, uh, especially for a gun dog. Yeah, absolutely. And that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is, is if you do that and you learn that, um, and, and, you know, you work with, even if you work, like I said, you work with a trainer because that's, there's a lot of knowledge that goes into that. There really is. And, and, but if you, you find a good trainer or somebody that's willing to work with you and help you, um, yeah. And there's, there's, there's stuff out there you can read. That's good. You know, sure. there's DVDs, sure. there's reading, um, that'll work you through that and, and teach you how to do that. Um, so, and, and that don't, was, don't one be thing afraid to do it. Don't think that you can't do it is what I'm getting at. I, I agree. And that was one, even as a novice trainer, I saw really like, that was one thing that I actually took to relatively easily. Were we perfect at it? No. Mm -hmm. But I was able to train a really, really good back cast. Mm -hmm. I had good left and right. And was it perfect? No. I mean, it wasn't. I was still an I'm still an amateur trainer by far. But I could cast my dog normally good enough to get him on the scent trail of that bird. 
and let his nose take over. So Perfect. even and even if you don't want to like go all the way through it and you're like, ah, eh, I don't know. Even if you can just train a good solid back cast, you get yep. your dog lined up, you give him a solid back, and you can yep. get him on that scent trail. That's way farther than nothing. Well, you know what, and, and that's you know I agree with you, Brad. Because I mean we're talking a blind retrieve. We don't have to. We're not running a field trial. That's not right. what my expectations are. Now, of course, I run hunt tests, so I'm going to expect a little bit tighter right. line. I'm going to expect you know, less cast refusal, but ultimately we want to just simplify it. You know, your back cast and your overcast. You don't need to worry about angle backs. You don't need to worry so much about angle. In. Just your overs and your backs. Get that right. dog in a position. Like you said, we don't have to put that dog right on that bird. Yeah. in a hunt test we do. We're hunting. Right. We're gun dogs. They're, these are gun right. dogs. Just get them to that scent trail, get them there doesn't matter how you get him there. I don't care if you got to give him an over than a back. It's still a beautiful thing. Right, exactly. So I agree with you. It's not, don't let it be overwhelming and don't think that you can't do it because you can. And it really is simple. And actually, like I said, if you, if you, if you work with your dog, you know, and, and a lot of times we're, we're working on this stuff. You can, as early as a year, year and a half old, some guys will even do it earlier, depending on the dog. Sure. Um, so, and it's one of those things where same thing, work on it 10, 10 minutes a day may and, and, and try to end those training sessions on a good note, not on a bad right. note, success. Right. We want success, you know, and, but also know when to call it quits. So exactly. And of yeah. all the training I've done, I think that probably the blind retrieve is probably the most rewarding to me to send a dog back, give him a whistle, sit. And even if you just send them back again or over and they do it and they get to that bumper and come back, like I always found that just super rewarding because I always looked at it as a super technical training piece. And really, I wasn't the greatest trainer, so it's not actually that technical, probably, depending on how far advanced you want to get it. Right. Right. But right. like the training there is like you give them a back cast and then you whistle sit them and they sit and look at you. I mean, that alone is <laughs> yeah. like yeah. I did something. Like yeah. there is like people look at that. Like I've had, I had friends like with my lab. I don't remember what was in the yard. It might've been a piece of trash. I don't remember what it was, yep. but I sent my dog for it. I stopped him and I sent him again and he brought it back to me. And they looked at me. They're like, how did you do that? Right. Like, and it was just super rewarding to be like, sure. We did this. And it's not just Absolutely. me. We did this. I Absolutely. taught you, you understood and you're executing. This is a, we, it's not a me. Well, and, and when it's all, when it's all said and done, you know, that dog is, is working with you, right? is developing that bond with you and you work as a team. Like you said, it's, it's we, and that's the biggest thing that people need to remember. It's a we thing throughout all the training of this, this dog. It's a we thing. And you'll have some dogs and I've had dogs in the past where it's more about them. Sure. You know, <laughs> and, and that's fine. That's fine. You know, but they still need to know some of the rules that go along with it and so on and so forth. But, but ultimately, even those dogs where it was more of them, I still loved every second of it. And I sure. wouldn't have traded it for the world, you know, and some of those dogs ended up being the best dogs I've had, you know? Sure. So, um, yeah, by all means, I think for those guys that are, 
have never went to that level or thinking they want to go to that level, uh, just do your research on it. Reach out to people, help. Um, it can be done. And I don't want people to shy away from it. It can be done. And like you said, when you're out there and you're in the blind and, you know, you send a dog on a blind retrieve and you get that bird, and the guys are sitting there next to you going, oh, my gosh, how did you do that? You're sitting right. there and you don't want to puff your chest up, but you're like, mm, I love that, you know. Exactly. Because you don't want to get cocky. Because when you get cocky, nope. that's when your dog becomes a bonehead. And now you just <laughs> karma is real when it comes to dogs. You karma are not. Real. You are not kidding. That is the that is the truth, a hundred percent truth, right there. But yeah, they're they're uh, they're wonderful to work with, and if you do your work, um, you will have a, a wonderful ride, to say the least. You know, and the memories that you have, and then of course. It's always the hard time when they cross the rainbow bridge, right? If you will. Um, but one of the biggest things that I always say is, is, is hold on to those precious memories, you know, that you have, and, and cherish those, and also realize that not every dog is created equal. Okay, so I have that a lot with the the you know with people that are, are coming to get puppies, you know, and, and that's part of it is I'm fortunate that uh, a good majority of the people that get a puppy have, have had retrievers before, you know, and one of the first things they, they like to talk about is their, their last dog, sure. you know, and which is great. I love to do that, but I, I have to remind them that now this is a different dog. You know, this right. is not, this is not old Gus. And, you know, you have to realize that when you're going into it, that, you know, this isn't, this isn't the same dog. So your expectations have to be realistic as well. Right. So, um, and it's very true. Not, not all dog, no dog is the same and no, no dogs are, and some dogs have other strong points than others. I mean, my lab's a great example of that. Could I keep him steady in a blind? Yeah. Was he a much better upland dog? Because he just had the crazy drive for that, which led me into my passion for grouse hunting. Absolutely. He mm -hmm. was. Mm -hmm. He really, I mean, there was a difference there. I mean, he was he was a high, strong, high energy lab, which you yep. could keep steady, but you could tell he didn't enjoy being steady. But you let right. him loose in the woods or a pheasant field, yeah. there was a different fire in him. I've Brad, I've had those dogs. I had uh, that chocolate mail that I was telling you about. Um, he was a great retriever, did a great job. Same thing though, his steadiness, he, he would push me every chance he got to, to, to break on a bird, you know what I mean? But, but pheasant hunting was his, was his true passion. Sure. That dog, I, you know, I used to tell everybody else, Hey, if he could, I mean, he literally wanted to burn the grass down. <laughs> I mean, he was a retriever that ran and hunted like a pointer. Sure. He was not a quartering lab. I learned that early in his career, I call it, if you will. Um, he was a wind checking dog. He would he would make his nice loop. My biggest thing was keeping him within range so we're not bumping birds. Okay. Man, they might have came from the same lineage because my their my chocolate was so similar to that. He would he would ride the wind with his nose up, and you would swear there's times I'd see him, you swear you had a a, a long line on him and you checked him. You know, 
his head would snap his and the other part with that dog is he was waiting for no one <laughs> i'm telling you he would not wait he if he smelled that bird he was on it and you better be up there to try and get that bird but man that's um, so funny it's so similar because it was you my my lab was real like he also he was great at wind checking and like mm-hmm. you could see when he got a good bird scent when he would transition from wind to ground and like his tail would change and it'd be perfectly flat like a helicopter going yep. back and forth no circles no <laughs> up and downs just perfectly fat and you yep. better get moving because you're yep. not going to hold him back like he's going to yep. chase this running bird and yep. my buddy would always laugh because he'd see me pick up my pace through the woods or through the field yep. and he knew i'd be like man it's birdie we got to go like yep. he's not slowing down if this bird's yep. running he's going to find it i want to i want to tell you a story and, and, and i'm going to try and make this as, as short as I can, but I, I have to share this story. It's one of my favorite stories of this dog. I had taken my oldest son, uh, who is now 23. Uh, he's in the Marine Corps. As a matter of fact, he's on leave, and I just picked him up at the airport today. Um, I took him on his very first hunt, and I believe he's eight, eight years old. Okay. And so we got out to the field, and we got there early. Because multiple different people had an opportunity to hunt this field. It was it was private land. But we got out there early because I wanted to have a good hunt with him for his first hunt. And um, I decided to run just this dog alone. So we got into the field. We heard roosters cackling first thing in the morning. So we got in the field. And a rooster had flushed on my side. And old dead eye here missed all three shots. Well, the bird circled around behind us. And it was a 90 degree angle in the fence line. And the and the bird sailed over probably 100, 150 yards and, and come down over the fence line and sat back on. And I told my son, I said, well, we'll see what the rest of the field does here, but we'll circle back eventually. So we worked through the field and, and we were flushing, he was flushing some hens and he ended up flushing a, a rooster, I think to my side and I got it. And then we kept going, some more birds flushed another bird there was another guy in the field that had a weimer on her okay so i shoot this bird okay and my male is running over there to retrieve and all of a sudden he puts the brakes on well this guy's 300 yards from me and he's staggered but we're kind of working towards each other we're trying to be safe but this guy's not moving down at the other end of the field well, I go up and I'm like, well, why isn't he retrieving the bird? Well, this Weimaraner, I dumped, I had no idea this Weimaraner was there. I dumped this bird right in this dog's lap, if you will. He picked it up and he's just standing there. Well, I walked up to this Weim and, and I'm trying to give him all the release commands. And he's <laughs> growling at me and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this dog's going to tear me apart. Anyways, I get the bird. The dog goes on. We keep going. We flush another bird to my son's side. And he misses it and it flies all the way to this other guy and he dumps it well he's got no dog i sent my dog on the retrieve (laughs) (laughs) anyways he comes back he's got the bird i'm like well that was really smart steve now you got to walk this bird all the way over to this guy (laughs) so i do well at this time we're working with the wind in our face Okay. okay and so we walked with a guy and I said, your dog was all the way up there. He apologized. I said, it's okay. No problem. I said, do you want to 
walk with us and hunt back towards him. He's like, nah, I'll just stay here. You know, he saw my young son. He's like, I, I know this is kind of special for you guys. So we went on, we flushed some more birds. Now we're walking, we're working with the wind at our back. Well, we get back and you flush multiple birds. Anyways, we get back, the dogs, it's early season. So the dog's a little tired. And of course my son is, you know, those little legs are trying to work sure. through the field. So I said, let's just take a break for a little while. I said, do you want to keep hunting? And he said, oh, absolutely. You know, so let's take a break. Let's water the dog, give the dog a break. So we did. And we lined back up on that next fence line where that other rooster had went. So I put my son towards the outside because I'm hoping the fence line will cause them to flush, you know, his way. And they had a strip of corn planted, you know, like six rows, I think, you know, is, is for food for the for the pheasant and so i had the dog at heel and i looked at my son i said are you ready and he's like yeah i'm ready dad and i said hunt him up and as soon as i said hunt him up he jumped over into the cornrows i had him in the grass jumped over in the cornrows and he took off like he was on a blind retrieve and i thought i just stood there and i'm like what in the world is he doing because i mean there was no hunt it was all just go and all of a sudden I see this, I see my dog jump over into the grass. I see some of the switch grass moving. And here he comes out with a rooster in his mouth. You winged that one. That was the very first bird that I (laughs) shot. But through all of that, what amazed me the most is I had the wind at my back. So I know he didn't scent that bird. Through all of that chaos and all of that hunting, that dog remembered that very first bird. That's crazy. He remembered where it went down. That's crazy. Rem- and, and you're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of yards. Right. He still remembered where he was at, where that bird went down. But he's also the the same dog that could literally triangulate off your barrel. If he was over here and he didn't flush the bird and it went this way and I shot it, you would watch that dog look at my gun barrel and you watch his head swing down that gun barrel and he literally would take off at that angle and go pick that bird up. That's crazy. He was special. He was... Absolutely. Sounds special. He was a special dog. You don't see that very often. And that's no. some of that's not trained. That's that DNA that's, right. that's in there. So Right. Sorry about the long story. I get off on no, those long-winded good. tangents, but it, it's good. fun to share those stories. Absolutely. This my show always has stories in it. That's part of the show. That's part of the fun. I mean, it's not just you got a lot those stories and those experiences. Like I say in all my show, it's all about the experience, and that's where those experiences come out. Is is in our stories and our. So I'm going to give the last couple minutes here to you. Um, okay. Anybody you want to thank, uh, your kennel name, everything else, lay it all out there for the guys so they can find you, they can reach out to you if they're interested in getting a puppy, if they're interested in training. Sure. Um, well, first of all, I'd like to thank my family, my wife and my my children. Um, they're, they're very special that they allow me to do this. Sure. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a lifestyle, if you will. Um, so, uh, they help and they, they tolerate the chaos, I guess I should say. <laughs> and they, they, they allow me to do it and it can be overwhelming at times. And, and, you know, it's hard, 
it's hard for me sometimes to step back and and see that because I I enjoy that chaos, you know. Sure. And, and and they might not enjoy it as much, but they're they're supportive <laughs> and they support me in many ways, and I'm I'm so very thankful. So for my family, um, you know, excuse me for going out and 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 letting me chase this passion that I have. Um, so for Facebook, I, I have Facebook, uh, it's kicking brass retrievers. It's, um, no, you'll have the link, but, um, I have that. I'll be honest with you, Brad. I, I am so terrible at social media. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't really put a lot on there now. I, you know, if I hit a dog in for training, you know, that's usually when I'm, I'll kind of help the owner see progress and update, you know, what they're doing. Um, but then here, not that long ago, I started, uh, the Instagram and that's kicking brass retrievers as well. Uh, but you'll see on some of those, it's not all about dog training. I still put some of my, you know, hunts on there or successes, you know, for whatever chasing or whatever we're hunting, but, um, but you can reach out to me there, um, you know, via messenger or through Instagram. Um, and, you know, I'm one of those guys where, where I want to help. So I'm, I'm, it's not, a, for me, it's, 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 it's really not about the money. I mean, I want to see people succeed and, and help them out any way that I can. Um, and so, you know, if you got questions, if anybody's got questions, you know, or they want to pick my brain, if they're having issues or what should I do? I mean, message me. I'll be more than happy to help you Um, because I've been blessed to be able to do this for as long as I have, and I hope to continue to do it. And that's the other thing is I've always had somebody there to help me too. Sure. You know, as a trainer, the day that you think you know everything um, (laughs) is probably going to be a bad day. Right. (laughs) Right, because there's always somebody out there that has, uh, I don't want to say so much more knowledge than you, but their angle or the way they do it, or they maybe they've seen those issues more frequently and, and they're willing to help. Um, so I've been helped along the way with, with from many different people, and um, but I've worked hard to get to get where you know to, to get the knowledge that I have. Um, so but definitely by all means, if, if anybody has any questions, reach out. Uh, like I said, you probably won't see a ton of content on there just because I get busy and sure. it, it, that's not my focus, but it, right. it is a way for people to reach out to me. Um, Absolutely. If they, if they have any questions. So, and I'll um, put all the links in the show description for everyone listening. So you can easily find it. Yep. I appreciate that. And like I said, uh, you know, if anybody wants any, has any questions, by all means, I mean, I, I, I you know, I, I have a, a good amount of knowledge. I'm not going to say I'm perfect, but I, I, I'll help you any way that I can. That's awesome. I mean, that's yep. huge for anyone listening. I mean, that that's huge. That's a huge offer right there. So. Yep. Yep. And just, you know, that's the thing is, is I get it with people, you know, there's a lot of times where people don't want to bring their dog in. They just, it's hard for them to bring a dog in for training and, and leave that dog with another person. And, and I understand that. So the, the, that's why I like doing session training. And, and then also in the same path, if you, you live in Florida, you live in wherever, 
I don't just message me. If you got questions, I'll be more than happy to help you. And I don't expect anything in return. I want you to be successful with your dog and to enjoy that journey, if you will. Right. So by all means, I, I love, as you can see, I love talking dogs. <laughs> and and when you have a passion for it, you love doing it. You want to help and, and see other people strive and do well. That's, a, that's it's important. That's awesome. Steve, I really appreciate you coming on. Ton of knowledge, super high-level overview. I know we could have probably a dozen episodes alone digging into each individual oh, yeah. topic. So Absolutely. there's just not enough time for it, unfortunately. Um, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, to all my listeners, thanks for tuning in. Without you, I wouldn't do this. And until next time, everyone, keep chasing that experience. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Finn. Be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You can support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin. Don't forget to check out the website, paddleandfin.com. Catch us on YouTube. If you got a question, comment, or want to see a future guest on the show, be sure to email us at paddleandfin at gmail.com. Shout out to our show supporters, Yak Gadget. You can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional. For all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures your Midwest premier paddle sports destination, go to rocktownadventures.com. Eastport Marina, the beautiful destination on Dale Hollow Lake. If you're looking for lodging, kayaks, kayak accessories, or anything fishing related on the beautiful Dale Hollow Lake, go to eastport.info. Jigmasters Jigs, when in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today.